1: Welcome into B Squared your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, ah, uh, this is our last show in February. Uh I know. We're two months into the year, and it seems that it is completely flown by.
0: It really has. Like today I I was writing down 223-2020, and I was like, 223. I was like, how are we already two months through this year? It's crazy.
1: It is. Um, And when we tape our show next week, it will be the first show in March, which means officially welcome to um, National Weather Podcast Month, uh, second year that we have been involved with this. And uh, we will have the details of our totally cool, awesome, super awesome, totally grad. I'm trying to find descriptive words that (laughs) mean the same thing. Uh, Giveaway coming up here in the month of March.
0: It's going to be awesome. Weather Podcast Month is it's one of the best months, and I love when we're, all the podcasts are, like, supporting each other, and it's just such a very, like, you can just feel the familiness yes, amongst you can. all the podcasts, and I like it.
1: Uh, I will agree with you there. I am excited to see um, what the other shows have in store. I know that you're going to be featured on one of the upcoming, uh, uh, one of our sister podcasts, Stormfront Freaks, so that's going to be really cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm actually really jealous
0: Well, there's still time. Just come on down.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, watch. I'm just going to walk through the door. Be like, hey. Right. (laughs) Hey, we've never met in person, but.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It'll be fine.
1: Oh, yeah. Everything's fine. So, uh, I know you're really excited for that. I'm really excited for that. I know the guys um, on the other shows are excited for that as well. So, um, you get to be part of a live taping, which is pretty cool, in Oklahoma City. And, uh,
0: yeah, that's pretty legit. With Gary England and yeah. Smith. Yeah. So it's going to be pretty legit. Yeah,
1: it's going to be awesome. Um, we'll have more details on that next week as we will be then within one week. And uh, hopefully we can uh, we'll uh, tell you where it is. I know we've discussed it's going to be at a brewery. I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head.
0: I don't either, but I want to say it's like Vanessa's or something like that. And yes. it's like a really small little brewery. And I'm really excited for that. And there's going to be like a special beer for this little event and everything. And so I'm, it's going to be a really, really fun night. Um, We've got the flyer. We'll have to post it on, on our Twitter and everything.
1: Yep. We will. And that's at weather podcast. Uh, Make sure you guys follow us weather podcast, Twitter, and Instagram, Facebook at B squared weather. Um, But if you just type in weather podcast, it should pop up in one of the searches. So yeah, Yeah. you can find us that way as well. Um, Bonnie, not a whole lot happening. Weather-wise, I know we were making that transition last week of meteorological winter as we get set for spring, thank God. Everybody clap, yay. Right,
0: the countdown begins, like I'm ready for spring.
1: Yes, the dead winter, as I've now called it, is uh, almost officially over. And apparently, depending on where you look and depending on what you read, we can either thank the North Pole for it, or we can thank complete and utter uh, disruption of anything normal, because... You know, we went into a winter where it was supposed to be doom and gloom, and we've had nothing.
0: Yeah, really nothing. Like, all we've had was that one day of, like, snow, snow. And other than that, it's been regular cold or cold, warm, cold, warm, cold, warm, cold, warm for, like, the entire winter. So, it's just been kind of a blah winter. So, I'm like, let's move on then.
1: Right. And, you know, out here in the Northwest we talked about we flirted with snow. Uh it's mm-hmm. like the really pretty girl at the bar that you flirt with and then nothing happens. You know, goes home with somebody yeah. else or she goes home by herself and you're just like, Well, that was a buzzkill. Um yeah, such a tease. Yeah. Hate that. Really do yeah. hate that. So that's what winter's been pretty much for everybody in the lowlands. Um the mountains have recovered nicely. Uh they're getting dumped on right now. Um, there is a winter storm warning for the Cascades. Uh woke up this morning to um, garbage cans and stuff being blown down the street and i was like oh that's random so i open the window and uh trees are bent over sideways winds probably you know gusting up in the upper 30s to lower 40s and i was like eh. i know i take wow. i know i pay attention to the forecast i did not recall seeing this but uh so yeah so, orographic lifting is dumping a bunch of snow up in the Cascade. So, a good snow pack is good. Hopefully, it sticks around and uh, we get some late season or early spring snowstorms because that actually really helps build that base and we need it for the spring and summer uh, fire season. So, knock on wood that it actually, you know, holds holds true and it makes it work.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... And that seems to happen a lot. Like winter doesn't seem to want to let go as it transitions into spring, you know, it's so there's always that last little blast of cold air or that last little dumping of snow that always seems to happen somewhere, you know? So definitely that's a possibility.
1: Yeah. Shout out to our friend, the polar vortex. I'm sure he, she, it will (laughs) want to make a uh, one last appearance before all is said and done.
0: Right. Right. And I mean, especially down here, I mean, our cold air and, Cold temperatures. I mean, we've had an ice storm in April before. Um, I mean, obviously, like the ice itself and everything wasn't around very long, but it was enough to cause a lot of travel problems, a lot of tree limbs down. And it was in the month of April. Um, It was several years ago on my personal Instagram. You can go back way back and find a picture from that ice storm. But I'm just saying, an ice storm in April. It's pretty crazy.
1: Right. But we also know that with that transition, usually comes a clash of warm and very cold air. And that's Ooh. two key ingredients for severe weather.
0: Yes. So yes. that is what we are
1: really kind of looking for. We're ready for chase season to start.
0: Yes. 100% ready. And. You know, like I was talking about last episode, I've been watching old coverage that hasn't stopped. Like I've still been doing that over this last week and I don't know, it's like making me itch or something, you know, like I just really am ready for some, some action here. You know, obviously, you know, not death and destruction type action, but just like the phenomenon itself is what's fascinating. Right.
1: I'm really looking forward to getting the text from you. News nine is live. News nine is live. David Pan on TV. (laughs)
0: i'm telling you it's you know like i said last episode like going back and watching old may 13th and may i'm sorry may 21st 2013 and may 31st 2013 those storms were crazy especially the 31st like if you watch that whole coverage there it's a two-part situation on youtube but i mean If you watch that, it is just the scariest situation ever. And I'll tell you, when it was actually happening, I wasn't even watching the coverage. I was stuck at somebody's house in it. And it was just one of these events where it was so big. It was so crazy. And there was so much rain that you couldn't see where a tornado was or wasn't. And they were just dropping at random spots throughout this whole entire storm. It was just, it was just crazy. I think it was, it, it's never happened before. I don't think something as crazy as that. And if you watch the coverage, you'll be able to see more what they're talking about.
1: Would you do me a favor? Why don't you text me the links or email me the links, and then we'll put them up on on our uh, on the Twitter page at Weather Podcast, so people can go back and watch. Just so you guys get a sense of what she's talking about. I've watched the coverage. Um, and it is fantastic stuff. Yes, the technology is not as great. We discussed that at length last week. But um, go back Even and watch just
0: it. just seven years ago. Yeah. It's not as good as it is now, which is crazy. But, you know, like we said last week, and then going all the way back to 99, it's it's night and day how crazy technologies come. But, yeah, I'll definitely send you those links for sure.
1: Yeah, because we can put that out and people can go back and watch. And, you know, I watched a little bit this week. Because, you know, you're like, hey, I'm getting ready for the season. I was like, well, gosh, I got to do the same thing, too. So I spent a little bit of downtown watching that. Um, But getting stuck in a YouTube rabbit hole with weather coverage, it leads you to all sorts of places and all sorts of things. Um, Yes. And undoubtedly, you end up with the weather bloopers, which are one of my funniest things. But, Bonnie, did you see the story of the weatherman from, I believe it was North Carolina, who was doing a Facebook Live and accidentally left the random, like, filter generator on. No. So in the middle of his report, we'll send this link out, too. In the middle of this guy's report, it starts putting random filters on him. So he's got a space helmet. He's got a mustache (laughs) and glasses. He's got, you know, he's lifting weights. uh, A whole bunch of stuff. And it's a minute and a half long report. A guy doing the weather out on the street and all these random stuff is happening and it is absolutely hilarious.
0: That is amazing. Yes, has, please post that.
1: Yes, he has no idea it's happening until after he's done with the report and then goes back and looks at the comments. <laughs> but it is it Bless is fantastic. Oh, it is fantastic. I saw it last night. I was rolling. I was laughing so hard at this. Listen, we've all been there. If you've done any work in radio, TV, social media, any type of video stuff, something is bound to happen. Yeah. And this is just classic so yeah I will make sure that we post this as well
0: yeah absolutely um one other thing I'll send you the link to it's a 54 minute documentary that was put out after May 3rd 99 and it's called May's Fury um the, the crazy thing is like the beginning of this video they're saying you know if you purchase this vhs
1: all proceeds
0: go to help the victims of the tornado and i'm just like vhs like i just it's so it's just so crazy like how old vhs seems now like it just seems like it's been 50 60 years since vhs has been around So, but it's actually a good documentary. Um, You get to see um, a very young baby, Mike Morgan, a very young baby, David Payne, a very young baby, Steve Carano. And they're just talking about that day and their experience chasing in, you know, David Payne and Carano were out there and it's, it's a really good documentary and it really sums up the whole situation and you see the aftermath and things like that. So that's also really good. And it's now you don't have to buy the VHS. It's on YouTube.
1: Perfect. I was going to say you can get a DVD. I still have a VCR in my room just because there's some stuff that, you know, I need to spend time or send off to have it digitized and put onto either a DVD or a thumb drive. But man, um, yeah, I still have all my weather channel videos on VHS just because.
0: It's the, you know, it's just, it's, it's those classic things that you just don't want to let go of. And right. I am really glad that this particular documentary is on YouTube though. So it is accessible to everybody, Good. but I totally get it. I have some old VHSs of like different diff- Disney movies and stuff like that. And it's just, you know, it's, it's just part of your history and you don't right. want to let it go. <laughs> right. And
1: you can go buy a VCR at like Walmart for like 20 bucks and relive all of that. And I highly recommend doing that. Yep.
0: Right. And most TVs still have those little hookups, the yep. like red and white red, yellow, and yellow. Little, yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> me <and> we're old.
1: <laughs> yeah. When, no, we're not old. Technology is old. There's a difference.
0: Right. I guess that's true. But I like that we've experienced so much. Oh, like me too. Dial up internet and VHS and you know, aim and Zenga and MySpace. You know what I'm saying? So like we have had all of those come into the new age. Well, (laughs) so
1: you know, what's funny is next week we will, you know, celebrate March. My birthday is next Monday and I'll be 39. I'm not afraid to admit that in some circles. Um, (laughs) Other places. Yes, this place definitely not. Um, And I was thinking about this. I remember the, first time that I ever was introduced to a cell phone and my yeah. ne- and my neighbor growing up and I was probably 11 or 12 so I mean you gotta remember cell phone technology has not really been widely available in a mass consumer market for at least last you know 25 years mm-hmm. and my next door neighbor had this device that looked like a really cool walkie talkie but he goes no you can make phone calls on it so I called my parents and I was standing in our driveway and they're like where are you i was like i'm in the driveway our next door neighbor kyle has this cool device it's called a cell phone and he goes oh that's cool and then like you know give it back to him i was like all right but you know i didn't get my first cell phone until i was 18 um and mm-hmm. my parents got it for me because i was you know driving to college every day and it was great and then i got a pager and then a motorola two-way pager speaking of so um, you know, I talk a lot about my radio experience on this show. You know, this is my 20th year working in broadcasting. And if you remember in the late 90s, early 2000s, 2001, 3, 2002, 2003, you go back and listen to any rap and they mentioned Motorola two-way pager. I had a Motorola two-way pager. This was the first thing that you could actually send like text messages on with a keyboard.
0: Yes, you know, there's an old Lil Wayne song, and he mentions a sidekick, and I'm just like, ah, those were the days, in the days of the BlackBerry. My mom had a BlackBerry.
1: Oh yeah, and then it's morphed into an iPhone, and then more, you know, and that's morphed into everything else. But man, it's just like,
0: and the razors coming back. I'm so happy I had a razor growing up. Like I just felt like it was really an important phone to have. Agreed. And I had one. I didn't have the crazer. That was lame. It was the razor. That was the cool
1: one. Yeah, the real one. Um, Yeah, Yeah. you know, flip phones are making a comeback and that's pretty legit. So but shout out to the early one megapixel, you know, camera phones that we all took photos with. And you know, you know, what's funny is most of those photos have somehow disappeared.
0: I know, but you know what though? They will still work if we find them, like in the bottom oh, of the lake or something. Oh, like they're still going to work.
1: Absolutely. My. uh Remember
0: sharing ringtones? Remember oh that? I and mean, it oh, was yeah. like those weird MP3 or MP4 files or whatever. Oh, yeah. And it would just be like some really crappy sounding chunk of a song.
1: Oh yeah, but well, you totally knew it. You're like, oh, I love that song. Um, like, I, I my used
0: phone to, to make that sound. I used okay. to make my
1: own ringtones. I actually downloaded yes. a program so. Um, do you remember the Nextel feature where it had direct connect, the beep beep?
0: Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. I had
1: I had that phone for work. And then because my dad's uh, business at the time was also on that network, I was able to do the cross connect so I could be on my work network, be on his work network, which was awesome. But, yeah, I would sit at my first radio job and I would create my own ringtones. And Bonnie, I'm not going to lie, one of my first ringtones I still have on my current day iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> because it was awesome um but i also have an eas alert on my phone as a ringtone um and i'd have to go through and edit it just because when it plays i don't want it to actually trigger off an EAS because that's a big no-no as one right of, as one of my friends found out a couple of years ago um but there was a severe storm a severe thunderstorm warning for portland uh, and it was one of those things where we knew that we were in a watch box early on and we just waited for the storms to form. And once the EAS popped, um, I was able to record the audio of it. And it's one of my ringtones.
0: That's amazing. Yes. So my,
1: my weather geekdom is on a whole new level.
0: That's okay. It, it, you know what? You can't be too weather geeky. You know, it's just not a thing.
1: That is true. That is very true. But yeah, you know, technology has come a long way. Uh, speaking of really good documentaries, NWS Norman put out a great one on the Reno EF four slash five. And I still can't get over that meme. That meme absolutely just makes me laugh so hard.
0: The one with the cat at the dinner table. Yes. Yes.
1: (laughs) But uh, go check out that documentary. Um, NWS Norman has it on their uh, on their YouTube page. Um, And it's also floating around um, where they do the technical breakdown of it and it's fantastic and then of course you know the weather channels version of it um Mm -hmm. where their crew got rolled and to still you know that you know i'm not afraid to storm chase and i'm not afraid to go out and you know observe science in you know the wide open spaces of anywhere Mm -hmm. but when you see that video of their suv being tossed in the field yeah You know, it's just one of those things where you're just like, man, that hits home. And then, of course, you know, losing, you know, the three storm chasers that day, and then, you know, some of the other chasers that have passed away in in storms since, you know, it it really does kind of bring it back home. But their documentary, and I don't want to, you know, we're not going to get into that right now, but the documentary that that the Weather Channel put out was pretty fantastic. And that's another great one to go watch. Um, That is on YouTube as well, but. Um, yeah, there's plenty of stuff out there that if you want to get hyped up for storm season, you know, YouTube is a great place to start.
0: Yes. And, you know, like, like we were saying last week, there's not just our storm coverage. There's a lot of James Span, which yep. he's great, too. So... A lot of those, Um, that Ohio tornado that happened a few months ago, that really significant one, that coverage is on there too. So um, that would definitely be something fascinating to watch also. So pretty much anything, any kind of weather event that you're wanting to relive or learn about if you, you know, didn't experience it or didn't watch it while it was happening you know you can definitely find a lot of that on youtube and i recommend doing that because like you said you'll get down a rabbit hole and all of a sudden you've experienced every weather event that's ever happened and three days have gone by you know and you know so
1: my ams president uh one of my close friends steve pierce um out here in oregon loves to archive stuff and this guy you would love talking to him because he he's very much like you he can recite off dates and numbers like nobody i've ever met oh well this cool. date you know this was the blah blah, and i'm just like how do you know that like i know i lived through these events i don't remember necessarily the exact date but you know props to you for doing that he likes to record archive footage and so now that he works in tv um you know he's gone back into his old Archives. I'll go over to his house and we'll spend an hour just looking through all these old videos of windstorms from 1999 or 2002 flooding or, you know, a history breakdown of the 1970 or 67 Columbus Day storm. And you're just like all the stuff blown away. By the way, yeah, you want your mind to be blown. Go type in Columbus Day storm Oregon coverage and look at hand drawn maps.
0: Oh, yeah, you know, they still do that. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah but I'm talking about like, that's the entire weather thing. They're on chalkboards and they're being flipped over. And then the next chalkboard is rolled in. And then it's just like, (laughs) yeah, that's basic technology for you. But stuff like that is fantastic. I love old weather stuff where you can go back and look at, you know, how people covered it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I are members of the media. We get, you know, we kind of geek off on this stuff, but it's great to see our friends and our cohorts and how they do their shows. And, get all that stuff set up, it's it's really fascinating.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, definitely to go from chalkboards to now it's just, you know, files saved on a computer yep. that they just click through like like a Excel or PowerPoint slideshow or something, you yep. know?
1: Yep. I would really love and I know that we're, you know, we're trying to get like David Payne on the show and other people on the show. But I would love to get, you know, these guys on and just explain to the people what goes into just the presentation aspect, not the actual forecasting aspect, just the presentation aspect. Because as somebody that has been, you know, intern in a weather center and put together graphics, I understand it. But I don't think I can do it justice in trying to explain to the general public of what really happens. But when you're constantly doing it day after day, I mean, you guys really do hone your craft and you do it pretty well. And just, you know, the presentation alone is pretty awesome. There's no doubt about it.
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, I've job shadowed just a little bit with oh, yeah. David Payton. And so I've, I've seen him put it together. And, of course, him and everybody, you know, on Channel 9 have been doing it for years and years. So they do put those graphics together really quick. And, you know, they did actually um, try to decide, well, how do we want to do this? Because they'll do these little bar graphs on a severe weather day with, like, wind, hail, tornado, flooding, and then they'll raise the bar, medium chance, high chance, that kind of thing. And, you know, so they've played around with different ways to present that kind of information and um, stuff like that. And so that's kind of interesting to see, like, how they want to change it up to make it more understandable or – more urgent or whatever to the public, you know? So that's very interesting.
1: Right. I know a lot of TV people get, you know, some crap flicked at them for, you know, various reasons. And none of it's warranted in my opinion, unless, you know, you're overly hyping something. And you know, you and I both know there are different, you know, meteorologists in every market that do that. And that's fine. That's their shtick. That's their game. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not easy standing up in front of a camera by yourself for three and a half to four minutes talking to yourself and that's basically what it is yeah okay you might have your your co-anchors in the you know in the studio with you but you're not interacting with them you know you're literally talking into a camera by yourself for four minutes about the weather it's not the easiest thing in the world to do i will i will attest to that right now and props to the people that can do it well because it is not easy
0: yeah definitely not and then to think about during severe weather coverage because that whole time that they're interrupting programming, oh yeah, which I'll tell you some of those videos like are four hours long. So that's four hours of storm coverage. Some of them longer, like six hours, stuff like that, but it's not back to back action through all of that. So to be able to fill the space and, and discuss things and know when to go to whose camera or the chopper yep. or the graphic or the, velocity or whatever you know i think that takes a lot of skill to be able to just smoothly cover everything and there not be all this weird dead air we don't know you know what i'm saying and so that's impressive to me also
1: yeah that's where your producers and your technical directors come in as as kind of your backbone because you know Mm -hmm. like you know for example you know we'll use david payne here um just because you know i know he's he, he's my favorite in Oklahoma to watch for severe coverage and listen I listen to all this I watch all the stations I just really yeah. like David's presentation um, yeah but when he's calling for you know the booth to switch between velocity or go back to reflectivity or go to your own radar the reason why yeah. they're doing that is because those are basically independent sources yeah that he has access to but the control room is the one who will put him up on air and so your technical director has to be on you know, basically be on his game to be able to switch these. And you'll see moments with it, and it happens everywhere. It happens on the Weather Channel, happens at your local station, where the weather guy wants to look at something, and then all of a sudden, you know, he's, you know, snapping fingers or trying to get somebody's attention. It's like, bro, you got to give them a second to do their job too. And yeah. so it's just fantastic. But, man, that's a... It's it takes a lot of work. Um, actually, the chief meteorologist at the ABC affiliate here in town in Portland, where I interned for, uh, there was a breaking story that came down on Friday. Um, not weather related. It was a uh, a murder trial and the coverage and the verdict was coming down and he's inside the booth. And instantly I was like, oh, man, this is why I miss working in TV and radio day to day, because of excitement of like this. And I'm sure it's the exact same in severe storm coverage versus just your generic breaking news. But you know, you have two or three producers in the booth. You have your graphics guy or graphics people on headset. You have your sound people on headset and your technical director and your director and you're calling shots. And you're like, okay, this is, you know, this is a big deal. And this is, I'm sure, gosh, I would love to just be a fly on the wall in the back of the booth for severe weather coverage because I'm sure it'd be absolutely insane and fascinating to watch.
0: Yeah. And you know, they they bring in like their other meteorologists as well and they're working behind the scenes, watching other storms, watching radar, whatever, and then but they're all mic'd as well. So you hear them talking but you don't see them and they'll chime in with different things. And same with the news anchors. So like, oh, we're hearing of this amount of power outages and stuff like that. So it's like everybody's still covering it, even if just the one guy is there. On the screen, which by the way, I hope everyone knows that that's a green screen. So, David Payne or whoever is just standing there with a green screen behind him. You know what I mean? And so, it's that I can't even imagine the practice that takes. And all of the, you know, chaser streams and everything are off to the side, and he's looking at that and, you know, telling which one to put up. But I just, I mean, that's another thing. Like you're literally standing there with a blank wall behind you talking about stuff that's going on behind you that you can't even see behind you. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like uh, the amount of practice that takes and and everything is, is amazing to me. So yeah, just props to, to all of them.
1: Yeah, just to be comfortable with it and – Um, you know, some of the behind the scenes stuff, you may or may not know this. So they have, you know, basically your full program, what you're seeing on air, they see behind, you know, and they're off to the sides of the green screen. So they're off camera, but Mm -hmm. also the camera, because of, you know, with technology and the way things have evolved, um, most stations, if not all of them have the ability to basically put up the broadcast directly in front of the camera. So you're looking at yourself. Yeah. In a monitor. And basically what it is is a teleprompter or a, you know, any type of uh, video screen that is mounted and it reflects off the glass. So the camera still shoots through it, and you don't see that. But whoever's looking into the camera sees either script going up and down so they can read or it's just a picture of themselves. And, you know, when you sit in a studio and, you know, you're what the person's like, hey, just a reminder, please make sure you switch this over to program so I can see what I'm looking at. Versus just either text or a blank screen and you can get to do your job. So they have the ability to see, you know, multiple points of what it looks like. But, yeah, I mean, when you watch David Payne's coverage and you look and he's saying, oh, well, let's go over here to Jim's uh, live feed or go over to Susie's live feed or let's go to the helicopter. He's watching all these in, in real time. That to me is amazing. I would love to see just like a virtual tour of the news night operations, just so I get a sense of how many monitors he's actively looking at.
0: Right. And I, you know, I've seen it and I honestly can't remember and I'm probably going to, I'm going to throw out a number and it's probably wrong, but I swear it's like eight.
1: Oh, that wouldn't surprise me.
0: And they might not all be on, you know, I mean, they might just need five of those or whatever, but I can imagine during a severe weather day that they're probably all on. And it's, it's probably everything. Everybody stream plus, reflectivity, velocity, you know, whatever, all those different things that they use and for him to just decipher which ones to use. And then I also want to point out when they're standing in front of the screen screen and pointing at things to show you, Hey, look here, or here's the storm. Like, like you said, they're looking at themselves. So it's like when you're in a mirror and you're trying to like point to something on your face, it's, it's backwards. So they just have to have a lot of talent to be able to do all that, manage all that, oh yeah, and act like it's effortless while communicating all of this urgent information to the public. You know, it takes talent and a special kind of person to do that.
1: I want you to to you know watch, and this goes for everybody that's listening to the show over the course of the next week. And I want you to tweet to us at Weather Podcast. I want you to really watch your local TV weathermen or women, your weather people. Or the people on the Weather Channel, or if you watch like a national show like Good Morning America Al Roker, watch how much they use or don't use their hands. Mm-hmm. It's very fascinating. The guys that use their hands do it really, really well in pointing and describing and drawing. And the people that don't use their hands, you see them a little bit more or less on camera than off. Where they come in, they just stand there a little bit. They might move their hands a little bit. But then they walk off the screen so you see the full graphics and then they come back on. It's very yeah. interesting to me. I've, I've looked at this a little bit. But just m- kind of make a mental note. When you're watching Weather Forecasts and then let us know at Weather Podcasts, send us a tweet. We'll send you a sticker. And, you know, just I, w- I want to know what your local weather people do. Are they, you know, yeah. do they talk with their hands or are they more, you know, let the graphics speak for themselves?
0: Right. And then like you're, you know, I think what you're alluding to is, is it because they're not comfortable?
1: Yeah. I think it's because pointing. they're not, com- yeah, they're not comfortable pointing because they're still trying to get used to it.
0: Yeah. And so that's, that is interesting. That's a good point And definitely something I'm going to watch and we'll just see. Yeah. We'll just see.
1: Well, you know, as we said, we talked last week about the flooding in the South. It is still mm-hmm. ongoing. Uh, flood warnings are up, up and down the Mississippi. Into Louisiana, into Alabama, into Georgia, still parts of Southern Tennessee are dealing with it. But, uh, Bonnie, luckily a little bit of a break, but man, these folks have been hit hard and they're still dealing with it.
0: Yeah. It's, it's crazy. The amount of rain, I feel like this has been a very active weather pattern for them over the past several months for that part of the country. And it's just crazy how it's just really not wanting to let up very much, um, but hopefully they get a little relief here soon. They can dry out just a little bit.
1: Right. We hope so. Um, I'll pull up the national forecast again because I was looking at it earlier. But, um, you know, the areas of showers are still traversing uh, mm-hmm. along the Mississippi Valley, basically, and Mississippi River Delta, which is not even the right area either. Uh, up and down the Mississippi River. Let's go with that. From basically southern Illinois down through... Tennessee, northern parts of uh, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, into Arkansas. Again, all those areas with that have experienced flooding. And these folks are still under a severe or not a severe thunderstorm risk, but they're in the you know first initial risk category for thunderstorms today. Um, you know, you have the marginal bubble out over the panhandle of Texas and Oklahoma into southern Nebraska, but still more rain in the area where they don't need it. And it's not looking like it's going to let up anytime soon.
0: And I just, I mean, looking at it from a perspective of a state that deals with the drought a lot, right. And this is something that they won't have to worry about a drought for the next several months, but still trying to deal with constant ponding in the yards and on the roads and, you know, whatever is, it's a hassle all the time. And, Hopefully they can just have a little relief.
1: Right. And it should be here soon. Uh, But, you know, as you mentioned, it's good for the water. It's good for rebuilding, um, you know, any drought damage. But, yeah, we just hope that the flooding ceases very quickly because it is not fun to deal with. You know, we we can all handle severe storms. We can handle snow. But flooding is just a giant pain in the butt.
0: It really, really is, you know, and. Everybody has different situations at their house, you know, the level and certain areas of the yard that constantly flood or whatever, you know, and it's like to just have to deal with that day in and day out for a long stretch of time is got to be stressful.
1: Yeah, it's not fun. It's definitely not fun. Well, you know, we are excited to get into March. We are excited to get into National Weather Podcast Month with our friends on the other show. So. Um, can't wait for next week to kick it off, but what do you guys have forecast wise coming up in Oklahoma city?
0: Uh, I mean, nothing really today has been really dreary and rainy and kind of cold, but not super cold. Um, we're just in that same pattern, you know, kind of chilly, warm up a little bit, get chilly again, but not a lot of action still. So. I'm getting bored.
1: <laughs> I feel you. But at least you guys are under the, you know, the first risk category for thunderstorms. At least you have a general chance of it today.
0: Right. Like, at least there's that. But I feel like with the the overcast and the rainy dreariness, I feel like that's probably killed any thunderstorm chances. Because like we were talking about before the show, we do need a little sunlight to get some thunderstorms going.
1: Yep. You got to get the ground activated. Well, yeah. out here in Portland, uh, like I said, we had the cold front blaster this morning, which was cool to see. Um, mostly sunny and breezy today, and then a slight chance of showers, maybe a slight chance of an an afternoon thunderstorm, so we'll see on that. But temperatures are just kind of ho-hum. Yeah. Upper 40s to lower 30s for highs. As we go through the rest of the week, we might crack 60 on Thursday. Um, The GFS is putting us into a very dry pattern after about Tuesday, Monday night, Tuesday uh, morning, and temperatures were up around 60 and you know I, i'm not gonna lie if we're not gonna have winter bring on spring i will take temperatures in the 60s all day long
0: yeah i mean really like if we're not gonna have any action in the winter then let's let's go ahead and just move on then to yep. the next season let's like...
1: l- let's dry it out let's get everything set, set for spring and uh bring on the spring storms and i i can't wait
0: yeah, me either. So we'll see we'll see how the spring goes. I feel like for me every year the spring just doesn't last long enough. Right. And then the summer feels like it's twenty four months long or something, <laughs> you know. And <laughs> we get out of the
1: first chase season then we get into summer, We're like, oh man, second chase season's almost here.
0: Right. But then it just feels like summer drags on. And I know it's weird that I'm kinda of complaining about summer, but you know, I don't really like to be all sweaty.
1: Yeah, no, I, I understand that. And listen, you live in an environment where it's conducive to sweat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean just like walking from your car into the grocery store you're like burning alive and I'm like I just I just don't like that.
1: See, I hate to say this, I I've experienced that like traveling, you know, to Tennessee and Michigan and um, you know, through Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas. But see, out here in the Pacific Northwest, it would be 85 degrees and humidity would be like 20%. Wow. It's amazing.
0: That sounds nice. It here is. it'll be like 85 degrees and the humidity will be like 200%. <laughs> and we'll be like swimming to our vehicles and stuff because it's just so humid and the air is so moist right i said it
1: yeah there is it's icky there's a reason why they say big hair don't care and i believe that's directly related to everybody in the midwest and the south so
0: right exactly exactly
1: but man uh can't believe it february's over bonnie
0: i know that's nuts we're just moving through this year like nothing
1: it is two months down 10 to go Um, somebody showed me a graphic yesterday. I want to say 317 days till Christmas.
0: Oh my gosh. The fact that we start counting it down (laughs) so early now is so sad.
1: Yeah. One of my friends, sister-in-laws posts it every day, a a day countdown until Christmas. And I'm just like, (laughs) there's no reason to do that. And listen, I'm Christmas in my heart 24 seven. Like Christmas hands down is my favorite holiday. I absolutely love it. And yes, I do listen to Christmas music throughout the year. Don't at <laughs> me. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I just don't care. I love it. And I will listen to it when I want, how I want. And I do, because that's just me. But with that said, I don't need a daily countdown reminder. Like every once in a while is okay. And I'll come across the North pole live countdown stream on Facebook. Cause somebody will share it just because there are other people like me out in the world that love Christmas. And I'm like, okay, I'm okay with that. But I'm going to draw the line right now in the snow slash sand slash whatever you want to draw a line in.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Actually, that reminds me, we do need to talk about one other story before we wrap here. And normally we do forecast last, but um, put a line in the sand. I don't need an everyday Christmas countdown, but I will listen right. to I will listen to Christmas music every day if given the chance.
0: Hey, I'm not saying that I'm not judging you, but. <laughs>
1: but you're silently. Ju- well, you're openly judging me. It's
0: okay. <laughs> I mean, a
1: little bit. Yeah. It's okay. Speaking of drawing lines in the sand, this was a joke that was put out on Twitter in response to a story that came out. And, you know, we're going to. I'm looking at our storyboard here and I was like, how did we not talk about this earlier? Anyways, the National Weather Service earlier this week, along with NOAA and a couple uh, computing companies, put out a press release that. They are going to increase the size of the computing power for forecast models and climate models at NOAA, which is great, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody can agree, regardless of your political viewpoint, more computing power to help us produce weather forecasts is a great thing. Always. Right? We're, we're, we yeah. agree with this 100%. Somebody yes. tweeted, well, does this include the use of a Sharpie? And I was like, Okay. yes in one in one theory it does because i believe the president does use sharpies to sign bills into law and i believe the resulting (laughs) the result of his signature is actually the reason why we are increasing our computing power so i'm like well you know in theory yes but i get what you're saying and it was still equally as funny so
0: Well the Sharpie does a lot. It changes state lines. Oh, it
1: does. Changes you know, warnings. Like... I mean <laughs> you know, and wh- why we would we like to give him crap for that? And rightfully so, he does he does deserve that. You gotta remember that, you know, that same storm was forecast, you know, on an error to go all the way across the continental United States into Canada and end up in Alaska.
0: <laughs> that was funny though.
1: No, that was hilarious. That was absolutely and hilarious.
0: The caption Saying this is worst case scenario for Alaska is like the funniest thing ever. Right. <laughs> and I can't even get past it. But I'm just saying, let's all review where are the Super Bowl winners from what state again?
1: Yeah. Can uh, yeah yeah they're from that's Missouri. all I'm gonna say. Well, so they're from Missouri. However, not not that I'm gonna come to the defense here. It is confusing <laughs> as crazy as it is. That you have Kansas City, Kansas, and Kansas City, Missouri. Where did the Kansas City? You just need
0: to know which ones it's from, though.
1: But where do the Kansas City Royals play? I don't know. They play in Kansas. Where do the Kansas City Chiefs play? I don't know. They play in Missouri. This makes no (laughs) sense. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, and I'm not coming to the president's defense by any stretch of the imagination. You have enough smart people working around you. You should know where the sports teams play in what states. Right. If you're
0: not sure, why don't you just like Google it real quick before you just put out a tweet that you delete and uh, think no one's ever going to see it again. And people screenshot that crap. Oh, yes, they do. There's,
1: There's a reason why I say please never, never, never send inappropriate pictures or bad tweets because people screenshot that and save it and they will repost it time and time again. I really believe that Kansas city should do what Washington DC has done and become its own independent district where it doesn't belong (laughs) to a state. (laughs) And just so it's not confusing because frankly it is very confusing and I have a very good geographic sense. I can pretty much name, you know, every state capital and can place it on the map pretty well. I know where I live. And we talked about that in previous episodes about the importance of knowing where you live. Shout out to James again, right. but Kansas city should be creating its own district. So it's not Kansas city, Kansas or Kansas city, Missouri. It's just Kansas city.
0: <laughs> and you saw the meme of somebody who oh. took a Sharpie and just oh, yeah. drew that circle. And <laughs> I am just, dead oh my god i can't even with the sharpie and the kansas and everything we're getting off on a tangent but i just think it's so funny
1: we are but it is weather related i mean it is confusing i mean you have one nws (laughs) office that handles kansas city kansas and missouri it's like um okay
0: (laughs) and since we're talking about that i really think it's weird that the symbol for missouri is mo right but I guess because there's a lot of M states, they had to pick something. Right. But well, it's just like an O, really. Well,
1: I wanna say that Michigan joined the union before Missouri did, and it's M I M I, but M I for Michigan, M O for Missouri. Um mm-hmm. I think M S part-
0: for Mississippi, yeah. M R for Maryland. Yeah. M A for Maine, right? Yes. Yeah.
1: Or M N for so, Maine. M N for Maine. Oh. Yeah.
0: Which ho- what's Montana?
1: Uh, uh, Montana is MN. Maine, eh? I'm going to have to look this up now.
0: No, MA is Massachusetts.
1: MA is Massachusetts, correct. Montana is MT.
0: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Yeah, all right, hold on here. State abbreviations.
0: <laughs> Maybe we need to start changing state names.
1: Oh, God, no, please no. <sighs> there is a petition going around out here to have Eastern Oregon and central Oregon, join Idaho in what would be called New Idaho. And I'm like, no. No, it's not going to happen. You're not going to take New it. Idaho. Yeah, no, we're not going to be doing this. Sorry. <laughs> um yeah, MO. So the so the M, M states are as follows. Maine ME, so we were wrong. Maryland uh, MD, Massachusetts MA, Michigan MI, Minnesota MN, Mississippi MS, Missouri MO, Montana MT.
0: Yeah, see, that's what I'm saying. There's too many M's. <laughs> well, where we do you want? Can't. Where
1: do you want to move it to? You it... I
0: don't know. We have no Z states. We have no Q states.
1: Yeah. Okay. So what are you gonna call it? State of Zulu? I don't know.
0: Kentucky.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: good lord!
1: Yeah, we have a lot of K's. We have two.
0: We have a lot of O's too. We have
1: three. Yeah. Ohio, Oklahoma, Oregon.
0: Do we have any S's besides South something? Uh,
1: yeah, Carolina and Dakota.
0: Right, but that's it. That's the only Correct. S's are the two Correct. South ones. Yeah. Mm. See, so we could put another S state up in there. Yeah, we could do an R South.
1: or a P. Yeah. We mm-hmm. have. Or we need a U. We mm-hmm. have a bunch of W's, two V's, one U, two T's, two S's, one R, one P, three O's. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven N's, a lot of M's, Uh, one L, two K's, three, four, four I's, one H, one G, one F, one D, three C's, three A's. There's no B states.
0: See, so we need B states. We also need, um, what was I just going to say? I was just going to say a really good letter. Now I can't remember what I was going to say. A J state. Ooh, that'd be cool. Right. See, so instead of like putting 25 M's up in here, like, why don't we <laughs> like size it up a little, you know, diversity, Whatever. State yeah. diversity. Um, yeah.
1: but as we said, you know, <laughs> before we got off on this tangent, the U S <laughs> is, is, you know, trying to basically triple their operational weather and climate supercomputing capacity. Um, the upgrades are coming, I, I do love this, and, I, and I, we said this a little bit off the top. You and I both know that right now the European model, the Euro, is by far the most dominant weather model, right? It's more accurate yeah. than the ones. Here's the first opening paragraph from the press release that came out. The United States is reclaiming a global top spot in high-performance computing to support weather and climate forecasts. NOAA, part of the Department of Commerce today, announced a significant upgrade to computing capacity, storage space, and interconnect speed of its weather and climate operational supercomputing systems. This upgrade keeps the agency's supercomputing capacity on par with other leading weather forecast centers around the world. Uh I.e. the euro. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll see. Two new Cray supercomputers and an operational primary backup will be located in Manassas, Virginia and Phoenix, Arizona. (laughs) Speaking of Phoenix, Arizona, love Phoenix. The computers, each with a 12 pentaflop capacity, will be operational and ready to implement model upgrades in early 2022. After a period of code migration and testing, they will replace the existing Cray and Dell systems, Luna and Mars, in Reston, Virginia, and Surge and Venus in Orlando, Florida. Coupled with NOAA's research and development supercomputers in West Virginia, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Colorado, which have a combined capacity of 16 petaflops, the supercomputing capacity supporting NOAA's new operational prediction and research will be 40 petaflops. That's pretty awesome. So, wow. Yeah. Pretty epic. Speaking of epic, they will be uh, <laughs> implementing research and development under NOAA's Emerging Earth Prediction Innovation Center, which is epic. Oh, Earth Prediction Innovation Center. So
0: I like it (laughs) to make the U.S.
1: global forecast system. The GFS, the best model in the world.
0: Oh, yeah. Well,
1: the GFS that tries so, so hard and hopefully it will. uh, I'm not knocking it, by the way, but hopefully this actually comes to fruition in 2022. So, Uh, yeah, we tweeted that. If you want to read more about it, it's our latest tweet over at Weather Podcast. So uh, head over, take a look at that. Bonnie's going to send me the links. We'll get that out for the YouTube videos of Storm Chase coverage. And, yes. Uh, Bonnie, I can't wait. March. It's here. Yeah. I know. Shout out mm-hmm. to birthday month. What, what? Birthday month and weather podcast
0: month. Yes.
1: It. yes. Which one important order? By the way, I'm sorry not to. I We will have to apologize. I did respond to a tweet on our page uh, to our friend Pikeman up in Vancouver, Washington. Whose birthday mm-hmm. is in March. So shout out to our friend. And I was like, March is the best birthday month. Sorry, Bonnie. That's
0: <laughs> okay. My mom's birthday was in March. So yeah. it's cool. It I'll, works. I'll stand by it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. But we will celebrate your birthday too. With pomp Ooh. and circumstance.
0: Yeah. Crushing
1: that. Right. Can't wait. All right. Another great edition of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby in Oregon.
0: And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma.
1: And we will talk to you guys next week as we kick off National Weather Podcast Month.
0: Whoa.